0: Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child using the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Meckie Lozano. Tina Lillig has been described as a visionary religious educator, a wife, a mother, and a grandmother. She was instrumental in both bringing catechesis of the Good Shepherd to her community in Oak Park, Illinois, and also in the growth of the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, as she was our first director. She was a dear friend to so many in our work, and so on this week of Valentine's Day, we would like to remember our Valentina. There are many, many people who loved Tina and who have stories to share about her life, her work in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, her work with children, how she impacted their lives, so many people. We would like to share with you a few of those stories, starting with her beloved husband, John. I hope you enjoy. John, welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. I'm really grateful that you are here with us.
1: And I'm happy to be here, and I'm so thankful for the work that you do with the podcast. I just learned so much listening to the different catechists talk about how they work with children, what they do in the atrium. I mean, it, it is just so life-giving for me.
0: Thank you. It is, it is definitely life-giving for me, too. I am truly blessed to sit at the feet of some really amazing people. And I'm really grateful that you have joined us. Would you tell us a little bit about who you are, John? <sighs>
1: who, who, who am I? Who I'm, are you? That's a big
0: question. <laughs> yeah. I, I,
1: I asked that myself <laughs> a whole lot, especially after Tina died and after I lost my job in the same year. I ask myself, <laughs> who am I? Mm-hmm. But I, I'm i someone who was very fortunate to fall in love with Tina and to learn from her. In my professional life, I was a Chicago public school teacher for many, many years, 41 years, wow. and a Catholic school teacher for three years. Wow. And And... Um, I was fortunate to have a job that I that I loved doing. <laughs> it, it was work, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I got but I got paid <laughs> for for doing something that I loved, and I was fortunate. That's awesome. Yeah, I was fortunate to um, be with Tina as she fell in love with the Good Shepherd and became a catechist.
0: Would you be able to speak into how she got involved in Catechesis of the Good
1: Shepherd? Well, um, in the church community that we belonged to at the time, the St. Child's Family Mass church community, there was a woman, Lillian Lewis, who had, who had uh, found out about the catechesis when she was in Italy. And I don't know exactly how it happened, but Sophia was invited to come and do a course in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I believe, you know, I I could be wrong, but I believe Lillian took that course and then she offered that course or offered a training of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd in in Oak Park, where we live, Oak Park, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And Tina took that course. She took that course, and at the particular time, I mean, she really wanted to do it, but she just didn't know if she could be able to do it, and it was in the summertime, and in the summertime, I was like a substitute bus driver for the Chicago Transit Authority, Mm -hmm. and I never knew when I was going to be called into work, but anyway, that particular time when the A course was offered, I was called upon to take over the route of a bus driver who was on vacation for three weeks. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, like from nine o'clock at night until, you know, three in the morning. And so I was able to be home with the children during the daytime while she went and fell in love with the good shepherd at the training course.
0: That sounds like the Holy Spirit made that absolutely perfect.
1: Right, because it's the only it's the only time that something like that happened in all the summers that I was driving the bus.
0: Wow. That's awesome. And then, where did she go from there after her formation, in regards to her work with catechesis at the shepherd?
1: Well, in the in the Saint Charles Family Mass Community, she became a a catechist, and mm-hmm. I think she was a catechist before that training too. So, uh, and anyway, at, at that particular time, we didn't have any dedicated atriums other than. You know, the basements and the attics and the yeah. living rooms of different people's homes. <laughs> I, I remember the first atrium I worked in with her, and it was uh, someone's dining room. And we would, I would come home from school and we would go there and we would vacuum and clean yeah. up the place and set up the materials for the children. And afterwards, we would
0: <laughs> wow.
1: restore to the living room that it was.
0: Wow, that's a lot of work.
1: Well, you know, it was when you fall in love with someone,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you do whatever to get to know them better.
0: So you were a co-catechist with Tina for a while.
1: for For many years. I was for many years and uh, she continued to go to training classes you know met Rebecca and other people
0: mm-hmm, and
1: mm-hmm. an association started association of the Catechesis of the good shepherd
0: mm-hmm. so from your perspective as her husband how did you see her involvement in this work and her involvement with children affect her life?
1: Well, this prayer, which was really not written as a prayer, but it was part of like a um, informal talk that Pedro Arupe, who was the uh, at one time the head of the Jesuits. And his words are falling in love with God. Nothing is more practical than finding God, that is, than falling in love in a quite absolute final way.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you will do with your evenings, how you will spend your weekends, what you read, who you know. What breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. So that's how it affected her life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it affected everything.
1: It, it decided everything from what got her out of bed in the morning to every waking moment of her day.
0: Mm. I bet that you learned a lot from her through all those years of working beside her.
1: Well, (laughs) I'm thankful. I I learned many things. I learned about Eucharistic hunger. I learned about rejoicing in the gifts that different people have. Mm -hmm. I learned about giving credit where credit is due.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Tina was was very big on letting people know where she got different ideas from, you know, words that she spoke, where that where they came from. She was very it was very important to her that she attribute whatever she wrote or spoke. Gave credit to, to to people, and she delighted just in the the gifts of others.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Would you like to share with us the email that you were telling me about?
1: Well, there's an email that, and I don't know why I have this, <laughs> but it's it's something I came across recently, and it's an email that she wrote to a catechist in June of 2008. And um, the last paragraph of the email says, lastly, you have been in my prayers so much lately. Working for the catechesis, I find I am always growing. Even after years, I still have a great deal of learning to do. You have helped me grow. From now on, when I offer a suggestion or document of any sort, I will try to ask myself, what does this person, who is such a gift from God, do all day, Mm. every day? I think this will guide me in my response better than just looking at the document. It is a person's work that we are always responding to gratefully and with love, Tina. So Tina was blessed to be helped by by many, many c- catechists and she really believed and the Friendships of Catechists. Mm -hmm. And a, a plaque that we put up where the national office was, Rebecca, she suggested this quotation from Tina. It is our friendships that permit us to take the path that is the catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Friendships very, very important mm-hmm. and very much a part of the growth of, of uh, Tina as a catechist. Mm. And she always thought of herself as a catechist. She always thought of herself as someone who had more to learn about how to help children fall in love with God. You know, in in her last years, even though she didn't know they were his her last years, she volunteered in an atrium, a young catechist, and she would always tell me how much she learned in that atrium, observing the catechist and how she worked with the children. Oh. And that's that's another thing too, observation. Tina, she always journaled after the atriums, wrote about, you know, what the the children did, what they said, what was working, what wasn't working. She was (laughs) very contemplative about that, very much into writing.
0: It seems like those catechists who are at the very beginning of this work, especially in America, that they, you can tell whenever I've interviewed any of them and how they recount those stories, there's like a unity among them, like a bondness among them. it It's almost like, you know, when people go through something really intense together, it can't do anything but bond them. <laughs> And so when I hear you speaking about the Tina's belief in these relationships and the friendships within Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, that's what I think about is um, them all having kind of gone through fire in a way together, starting this work here in America.
1: Well, I, I, I remember, um, I forget I exactly when it was, but it was early on, and I remember her talking about, like, the catechesis probably wouldn't catch fire in the church because it required (laughs) Mm -hmm. so much work, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so so much (laughs) Mm single-mindedness about things. But it it has. I mean, like, when they first started, I, I think the membership was, like, Fifty-four people, (laughs) (laughs) some small number like that.
0: It's a mustard seed,
1: right? (laughs) Exactly.
0: Well, John, the other day you were you were sharing with me about why we have started the Tina Lillig Fund. Why was that type of work important to her?
1: Well, the Tina Lillig Fund was not originally called the Tina Lillig Fund. It was a fund that she established, I think, at the Oak Park Community Trust Foundation. It was a fund that um, she wanted to be available to help people who wanted to take training in the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, who wanted to set up an atrium, she just wanted to have a fund available to help people who may not have the resources to to go to training she just wanted other people to know the love of the good shepherd mm-hmm. and to help children know the love of the good shepherd mm-hmm. and so the, you know that's what it <laughs> that's how it started
0: making it accessible to all.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. John, I really appreciate you sharing with us about Tina. Is there before we finish, is there anything that you would like to share with us about her before we finish?
1: Well, uh, Tina's name Valentina. It was uh, a a name of her paternal grandfather. His name was Valentin. Mm -hmm. and he was a farmer in the Philippines. And then, you know, she she was always called Tina. She wasn't called Val. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then, like, one of her grandsons who was born after she died, his name is Valentino, Mm -hmm. but... Everyone calls him Valentino. <laughs> they don't call him Val. <laughs> they don't call him Tino. <laughs> they call him Valentino. And speaking of Valentino, I remember one time his father, Tom, told me that he woke up from a dream, like maybe when he, when he was about two, three years old. Mm-hmm. And he woke up from a dream talking about seeing a beautiful lady in white
0: Mm.
1: who both Tom and I said, that's your grandmother.
0: Mm, That's really beautiful.
1: And and also, I want to say, too, that Tina knew as a catechist and as a national director of the catechesis that... Um, you know, money was needed mm-hmm. to help the growth of the catechesis. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that she would be happy to know that other people believe in the catechesis and would contribute towards its growth. Mm. That's really important. Yeah. Because catechists, oh, okay. All of us are catechists, Mm -hmm. but but not all of us are trained in this particular way of doing it, where children learn that they're called by name, Mm. by the Good Shepherd, and that they're loved. And that makes so much a difference.
0: It does. It really does. It's like the true foundation, the roots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing about your beautiful wife with us.
1: Well, thank you for, for asking me. It, it has caused me to really go back <laughs> and cry <laughs> <laughs> as, as I'm thinking about my life with, with her thanks thanks so much thank
2: you john thank you hello uh it's rebecca Reut savage i'm very happy i am to have the opportunity to remember and speak a word about my beloved friend tina lillig as i thought about what i would want to say i went back to just remembering the unique characteristics of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, those that distinguish our work, that remind us of what our work is most about and how it unfolds, and that it is not just a curriculum. It is as much a particular spirit in which we offer the kerygma to children and adults. But it's particularly the genuine respect for the religious potential of the child, the richness of their relationship with God. And this awareness and commitment is what guides everything we do in this work which includes characteristics, certain specific characteristics of the catechist. The catechist who will serve the child, that will honor and respect the religious potential of the child. Even in the characteristics of the catechesis, we find our identity as co-listeners, with the child to the Word of God, that we are the ones who share uh, a religious experience with them, not as teachers, but as companions on that journey and as co-listeners. We know that in our formation courses, we expand on, if you will, the characteristics of the catechist. And we know As catechists, some of those descriptors, the preparer of the environment, the co-listener, matchmaker, bringing the child and God together through a particular charisma. And we know the importance of our role as observers. In courses, we remember Montessori's words that the Montessori directress or guide is meant to be both a scientist and a saint, and we have to unpack that always because we, of course, do not mean uh, a saint in the sense of a perfect person, but rather one who is humble before God and the child, one who relinquishes control, relinquishes anger. All of that has brought me back to what has been indicated to us about also the characteristics of our leaders. Be they formation leaders, or association directors, or coordinators, or board members. In meditating on Tina, it's helped me to remember that all of these services that we render, be it as catechists or formation leaders, association directors, coordinators, board members, are all rooted in the life of the atrium, all rooted in the spirituality of the child. This is the sort of leader that Tina was. As we know, Sophia had come to St. Paul, Minnesota for the first official course in 1975. And one of the people there, Lil Lewis, had brought the the gems of that gathering back to Chicago. And Tina is one of us that was immediately caught, immediately drawn, and began quietly with her own children in her own community to bring that good news to children and adults. And then in 1982 I had just come back from the Rome training and begun work in a Montessori Christian Montessori school there and Sophia had asked if I would help to give a level one course in Washington and that she would come for the third week of the course. So the fact that she was coming, I'm sure, is what drew people from all over the country, including Tina. It was my first time to meet Tina. My very first impression of Tina was that she had the heart of a child certain combination of a a keen mind full of wonder, interest in learning, and a very open heart, and also a particular gentleness of spirit, that she was truly a joyful person. She emanated that joy. Sophia returned in 1983. Tina returned in 1983 to do a retreat on the mass. And it was out of that gathering that many of us who had come from all over the country recognized our hunger to have an association, to to be more intentionally connected. And Sophia helped us in that process of discerning what would be our main aim, as she then called it, And again, right from the start, that unity of child and adult before the mystery of God. Our association then was formally born the following year, 1984, when we were in St. Paul for additional courses, and Sophia was back with us. And it was at that time that we officially started the association, and we began with our leadership component was a board. Tina was not on that board of five people, but was one of us right from the start in helping the growth of the work in the US. She was a catechist. She was a hard worker. And it was not until later, I'm terrible with dates, that we had been working only as a board people from different parts of the country and we had gathered in chicago the board had gathered at the home of judy schmidt and i went for a walk we knew that we were at a new the cusp of a new period when we would really need a, a person whose paid job their full-time work would be to coordinate to direct our association. And on that walk I took, as on my break, it became crystal clear to me that the person who was anointed, I felt, to be that first director was Tina Lillig. She had proven herself to be a true servant, not just of the children, but also of adults. And she brought to the table... Her The most amazing combination in my experience, uh, I say a very rare combination of incredible attention to detail, care for organization, for the detail, but at the same time, her great and deep pastoral gifts. I had never quite met that in, in such a combination. In the Last Supper account, we're told at that last moment together, Jesus made clear when he said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And so for me, the word that most describes Tina Lulig is friend friend of God, friend of the child. She wasn't just a friendly person, but she was a true friend. She was my friend. She was the friend of so many of us who knew her. I continue to miss her terribly. But I know that the gifts she offered us both personally and as our director continue and will always bless us and strengthen us to be true to our identity in the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. So I just feel very, very grateful to have been part of her life.
5: My name is Karen Maxwell, and I serve as Director of Formation for the United States Association of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. It's a position that I've held since 2004, so coming upon about 18 years. And I'm always curious to uh, think about it in terms of my role connected to the the development of the association, and most particularly to the person who hired me for the role. Um, Our association was formed in 1983 and 1984. And over approximately that 10-year period of time, there were board members and administrators who slowly helped to grow the very small membership and to help catechists in receiving training in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Tina Lilly took on the role as national director in 1995, and she identified at the time a few simple goals that she wanted to have for the association, which I think is very interesting to me to think about now almost 40 years into this association. And the first was beginning a list of courses. Another was entering rosters into a database. She wanted to move toward a common formation course certificate and to help organize our legal and accounting procedures. But I have to tell you that her impact as the national director reached so much further than these practical concerns. The office was very small in those early years with Tina and one other staff person. I think they carried that office along with lots of volunteers and a a working board. But as the work of the association grew, there was a need to add more part-time staff. They just couldn't handle all of the, the work. I believe that I was maybe the fourth person who was hired as a sta- on staff, but I was part time and uh, I was hired in 2004. And it was a new position to be had to have a director of formation was a new position. So in a way, they kind of were hoping that this would be a position that would be uh, meet some of the demands for um, helping to coordinate, organize um, formation across the country. But it was also new in the fact that they were willing for it to be a a role that could be served outside of the office in Illinois, which was in Oak Park, Illinois at the time. Because I live in Georgia, and the association was based in Oak Park. So I was really appreciative of the fact that they would not only hire me for this role, but that Tina would hire me for this role, but also that she was willing to trust in my ability to serve from such a long distance. Tina had such a gracious and gentle way of listening and talking with people, whoever called, and she welcomed many to this work of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. So she ended up serving a great deal as my mentor in many ways in helping to guide me in this role. I think that Tina has a particular heart and gift for how to advance an understanding of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd through her graciousness, through her way of listening and talking with people. But she also did that through the written word. And what I mean by that is she was instrumental in working with liturgy training publications to to get several of our Catechesis of the Good Shepherd books published over the years. In fact, quite a few books were published under her leadership. And we have continued to work towards providing numerous publications in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd as a result. But I think it's one of her legacies. She loved She was an editor in many ways, but she loved writing. Um, She served as the editor of the journal, and she worked with a wonderful team of catechist and formation leaders in her area. And they would identify the themes of the journals each for each year. They would invite writers for the articles and they would edit the articles and get the issues published. We are also very fortunate with these journals, in that they include articles that are written by Sophia Cavalletti and some also by Gianna Gobi and some others who were leaders at the time in in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. So these were articles that were in addition to the books we have by our co-founders, by Sophia Cavalletti and Gianna Gobi. So they gave us yet another way to glean the insights in the heart of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and to hear their voices. And I'm really grateful for those journal articles. I pore over them very frequently. I use them in courses. I'm deeply grateful to Tina for her countless hours of work that she did to lead our association. You know, the other thing that I think is interesting about Tina is that she wrote that The same way that there was a desire at the very beginning with this very small group of catechists who wanted to form an association in 1983, that desire to help children hear the loving voice of the Good Shepherd and to help catechists, families, parishes, the church, and many others hear that voice with the children. But I love that that that's what we're about, We're we're wanting to help children hear that loving voice of the Good Shepherd. And we want to help um, adults in many different facet areas to hear that voice with children. Tina would also write articles as well. And there was one in particular that I returned to over and over again. And it's an article that's in the 2000 journal on the necessity of friendship for the catechist. I think it's one that exemplifies another, another desire of Tina's to help us remember. And so I really love hearing her voice in this article, and that is to value the community of friendship that we have through Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. She understood that this was important to Sophia Cavalletti and Gianna Gobi Um, It was Sophia in 1993 at the first international gathering in Rome who talked about the unique friendship that we have as catechists that seems to transcend distance and time. And I really can understand that because having been receiving my own formation as a catechist over the years, and I had to go to various states to do that, and would meet people there who I still know and still am friends with, um, it's it's, it's profoundly uh, meaningful to me to be able to look back after all these years and still know how much it meant to me to have those friends, those catechists as friends from the beginning of our courses when we really didn't know what we were doing in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, you know, when we were doing our formation. So I really, I think Tina brings that out, and that article is so beautiful. And I really would encourage anybody to try to to find that, um, to read that article. You know, Tina showed me the beauty of friendship, as well as the wisdom of being a mentor. And I just have to say, I'm so deeply
3: grateful to her for that. My name is Anne Garrido, and I can't even remember exactly my earliest memories of Tina. Mostly for me, she was a voice that I encountered on the telephone. So I remember as a pretty new catechist calling her and asking her some questions about things. And what I most remember about Tina is that she was somebody who was always looking for people's gifts. You know, in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, we talk about this idea of gift and response. And Tina was somebody who lived that with her life. She was always out there listening to catechists who were um beginning to emerge from formation and listening for like what gifts do they have to bring to the movement. She was very affirming of any gift that she saw inside of you and kept thinking about ways that you could use that gift on behalf of the larger community, so probably one of the um most outstanding memories I have of hers, I was still fairly new to the work and I was talking to Tina on the phone and she was like, you know, there's this little project that we've wanted to get started of a formation leader handbook. And Oh, don't worry about it at all because we have we have several pages of notes already. It would just kind of be like typing up these notes and organizing these notes and a, you know, maybe just bringing a little bit of a gift. You have a gift for ordering, and maybe and you have a voice that would be lovely if there was just a consistency of voice, Anne. And so I thought like, oh, this will be a tiny little project. This I could probably do in a weekend. Okay, so yeah, like 15 years later, we're still working on the Formation Leaders Handbook. And I think that was probably the door that opened was I began to compile these notes and and try to craft them into a handbook, which of course, now, you know, has seen 25 evolutions. But It was, I think she just kind of like invited you to always be using your gifts on behalf of the larger community. And she was just great about spotting them and and through tiny little hooks, kind of luring you in to deeper and deeper relationships with catechists across the whole country. And I would also, I would want to add that it was really Tina that also, I don't know if this is well known about her, but she really, again, through that very gentle nudging was one who helped to open the doors of theological education to catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Um, It was kind of one of the goals of the board, I think, for a period of time to be able to introduce catechesis of the Good Shepherd within institutions of higher learning and being able to get it inside the doors of universities or colleges or grad schools. It's not it's not an easy thing to do. But Tina herself, uh having a master's in pastoral studies from CTU, she was one of the first people who kind of opened the door at Catholic Theological Union to be able to do a formation course there and allow people to receive credit for it. And the fact that she and this small team were able to do that at CTU, then it opened the door. Like I was able to go at Aquinas to our Dean and be like Well, you know, CTU already did this. And then if another school's done it, like then the administration's more open to it. And that conversation with Tina and the encouragement she gave about sort of like how to open those doors was impactful in ways which I'm not even, you know, sure she ever really got to see in her own lifetime um, That was what opened the door to us being able to eventually start the master's in pastoral studies with a concentration in CGS at Aquinas Institute. And I know that our deep, deep hope was that she had promised to come to the graduation of the first cohort. And that was something that the members of the very first cohort were anticipating. And she uh, passed away just shortly before that happened. But it was as if she was so present with that cohort all the way through, continuing to nudge gifts and to invite people to fuller service within the association, and that so many people from that first group of students that she particularly mentored um, found themselves in a space where they were prepared for greater you know, leadership and service within the organization. And I, I like to always think of that as Tina having her hand in that. In some way, shape, or form. So I'll always be so grateful for her gentle mentoring in life.
4: My name is Rachel Fallman. I am you know, a longtime resident of um, Oak Park and I got involved in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, mostly again through the Holy Spirit. So I was a fourth grade catechist, and I was really struggling and frustrated. I was using a uh, book-based program that our parish used, and uh, it just really was not connecting with the children. And so I just kept wondering to myself as I was going through this experience with fourth graders, preparing them for reconciliation, I just kept asking myself, why is this so hard? why is this so flat with the children? There was just nothing that excited the children, made them interested, helped encourage them in their relationship with God. And I was really just struggling as a catechist who was just given a book and a room full of kids and said, told to just told to go. So just in talking to my friends about this, and actually one of my very, very dear friends is a Montessori directress, And after hearing me talk about it for a few minutes, she just sort of looked at me and she said, Rachel, you know that there is a Montessori catechesis, don't you? It was almost kind of like I was just shot out of a rocket in a way. Um, I started reading online and looked up and found the association and found the course listing and saw that, you know, a few months down the road, there was a course that was beginning about an hour away from me. just signed up. And I'd never even seen it. So I took the whole course. It was just amazing. Each session was better than the last one. And it just kept going and going and going. And finally, when I actually saw the presentation of the Eucharistic presence of the Good Shepherd. So on the last day of the course, as my formation leader is handing me my certificate, she says to me, oh, you're from Oak Park, aren't you? And I said, yes. And she's like, do you know Tina Lillig?" Like, no. And she's like, well, if you ever have a chance to meet her, you should, because she is a grand lady. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? That seems kind of bizarre. So I just said, okay, well, I'll keep that in mind. You know, not even thinking that... The office being in Oak Park was anything that was kind of important or significant at all. Just coincidence, yeah. But then um, I got a few months down the road and um, the director of religious ed showed me this very sad little um, rundown room with crumbling plaster and broken window panes and... Leaks in the ceiling and buckled tile floor, and said, Here, you want to try to set up what you want to do? I knew I had some work to do, but at the same time, I wanted to try to start making some connections in my parish and getting things going. So I was planning to meet with some parents and I was inviting them. And then I thought, Well, it wouldn't be helpful if I maybe had some pictures to show them or something. So called the office and I said, hey, I'd like to get a couple brochures and maybe some little booklets. And I actually am in the area, so can I just stop by and pick them up? So I came over to the office and I, you know, picked up a, a dozen copies of everything that I wanted. So she's like, just tell me what you're up to. And I said, oh, I'm building an atrium at St. Catherine, St. Lucie. <laughs> and so I just told her about taking the course and I just decided I was going to build an atrium. And So I was gonna get started and start talking to some parents and hopefully I could, you know, get this going. And this, she just, she kept my eye, but she stood up from her chair and she walked over to a cabinet and grabbed a legal pad and a pen. And then she handed it to me and she said, you should write Tina a letter. And I'm like, wait, now? And she's like, yes, Uh, Tina's not here and she's not here very often because she's ill. And so you should you know write a letter to her and I make sure I'll make sure she gets it. Like okay. So a few weeks later I got an email from Tina and she said how delightful it is to know your plans and what you are up to and she's like I have such tenderness for the community at St. Catherine St. Lucie. My, my dear sister-in-law is a longtime member there, and I'm so happy to hear that you are building an atrium there. So we just started this email correspondence back and forth, and you know she would ask me some details, and I would share with her what I was thinking. And, and after a few back and forths, she asked me, she's like, would you ever like to go observe in an atrium? And that way you could kind of maybe see a little bit more about what things are about and just be a little bit more informed and maybe, you know, meet a few other catechists who are working in the area. And I'm like, that sounds great. That sounds like a good idea. So not even a couple days went by when I got this voicemail message and this woman at the other end said, hi, my name is Peggy Plastina, and I'm the catechesis coordinator for the St. Giles Family Mass community. And I understand from Tina that you're going to be our new level one catechist. So I'm listening to this voicemail going, wait, what? You know, because there was such a disconnect between what I thought I was saying and what, you know, and then here I'd already been kind of like pronounced and I'm like... I was like, okay, I'm in it, I'm okay. So I did the open house, I met my new partner and she had been a rather seasoned catechist in level one for a number of years. And so we got started getting to know each other and then we started working with children right away. And kind of like my training course, each week was just a, a great revelation. It was just so wonderful. And it wasn't actually until I was about a couple months into working with the children that I actually, uh, the atria were located in the same place that the office was located. But we were meeting late afternoons, and so the office was usually closed uh, when we were meeting with the children. And um, so, but it was a couple months later that I actually was in the atrium preparing for the children to come and I was just about to go downstairs to greet them at the door. And I'm walking through the hall and out steps out this very neat petite lady with this perfect gray bob. I knew it was her. I knew it was Tina. Um, So I said, you must be Tina. And she's like, yes. And I said, I'm Rachel. (laughs) she's like, So it was kind of very funny to, meet so long, you know, after we had established this correspondence and she had kind of propelled me into a place where I would, you know, become more fully a catechist. After a few more weeks, she made the suggestion that like, well, maybe you want to even meet a few more catechists and kind of see, you know, how catechesis is happening in different churches and in different areas in our regional location. And so she invited me to join a hosting committee for for a national level three course that was coming up in Chicago. And um, okay, so I was really, um, it was kind of more towards the end of the year. So she actually kind of like let me be for a while to finish my, year as a brand spanking new catechist for the family mass community. And then she just reached out and said, maybe you wanna join this hosting committee. And I said, oh, what would be involved? And she's like the local catechists just come together and prepare everything that's needed for the uh, team that is conducting this course. And it was a national course. So people were coming from all over the place for this course all over the world, really. I joined the team right before the first part of the course happened. And I, so I just was brought in with open arms into this wonderful, wonderful group of women. Many of them had worked with Tina for decades. Some of the people worked on the journal team obviously hosting courses all over the place in in the region um, were involved with that. Some people had spent time working in the office and it was just such a really, really great group of people from all churches in the Chicago area, Catholic, Episcopal, you know, and just how much fun it was. I mean, everything was just, every meeting was just filled with laughter and joy. And about how to make this course just be fabulous. And actually by that time I had sort of completed my renovation project (laughs) at my own parish. And had started working with the children. So really and truly I mean my I would keep writing Tina and asking her questions. And she would and then see her at these monthly hosting committee meetings. And You know, she just always was laying the ground for me to take the next step throughout all of our communications. And it was just such a very subtle, gentle way, just a little bit of a, you know, side comment or a little bit of encouragement. But I could tell, especially after I had gotten into my level two course and we'd have conversations about, you know, what album pages are you going to be writing for your group album? And just having these conversations where she's like, would bring something out about like, maybe my reasoning for choosing or, you know, being fixated on this presentation and wanting to explore it more by, you know, starting the process of writing the album page for the entire course. It just would unfold more and more encouragement to just go further, go deeper after a while, you just sort of start thinking, like, how how did all this happen? Because it wasn't just, you know, wasn't just me pushing myself. I mean, I kind of thought, oh, well, I kind of had that initial wind in my sails. But, you know, she kind of became a definite gale force (laughs) to have me, you know, go forward and do more. And she recognized, obviously, in me that I was, you know, completely in love with this work and wanted to to do more. And so she would set things up that, like, well, maybe you should take this step. Maybe you should go here and, and have this experience. Maybe you should. And almost so that I never, like, had a moment where I'm, like, wait a minute. You know, she's she's pushing me. I don't like that. I'm going to say no. I never had that. And I just realized after a while, like, wow, she... You know, once I kind of started to know her story and her history, I said, she's just become a master at this because of her years of experience at um, encouraging people to be involved in CGS, in encouraging people to become catechists, encouraging people to include their children in their church's religious ed program. She just, by by the time that I met her, which was late in 2007, you know, she had really just mastered it. You know, mastered how to, you know, get people to to move forward and move into strange and new and perhaps uncomfortable areas. and, And then just, you know, blossom in it. So she had a real gift, I think. So in her last thing that she kind of tried to convince, she, I say try, what a joke she convinced me to do was to actually accept a position with the, with the national office, with the association. She came to me and she took me out to lunch and she said, I think you would be perfect to come to the association on a part-time basis and work on development and fundraising. And I'm like, I don't know anything about that, nothing. I don't have any background in that. I don't I don't even see where you would say that that would be you know something that would be a good idea or a good fit. I was in transition in my my work life and she knew that. And so she reached out and well basically by the end of the lunch I mean she had me totally in agreement that I would come to the association and work in development. And that took a little bit more convincing, but she was able to do it. And, you know, mostly it was that, you know, we will walk this journey together. And, you know, a lot of it was involving in like, you know, we're going to look for sources for getting you, you know, trained on how to write grants and we'll start small. And it was really only a part-time position. And, and then we will work into it together, even though I had never done any kind of work like that at all. So she had me totally convinced that I would be, you know, an excellent development director for the association. You know, we didn't have time to really find out because it was just a a few months before she passed away. She was always encouraging and um, I just always felt like I could do anything with, you know, her sort of being
0: kind of behind it. As John spoke about, we have the Tina Lilick Memorial Fund to financially support the growth of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd in honor of Tina Lilick. It is a source of scholarships and grants from missionary outreach to organizations working to open atria in underserved regions in the United States. If you would like to learn more about applying for funds from the Tina Lillig Memorial Fund, or if you would like to financially support the Memorial Fund, we have a link in our show notes where you could go to learn more. We also have a link in our show notes to the book that Tina wrote for us, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd in the Parish Setting, as well as some articles that were written by her. I really hope that you have enjoyed either remembering Tina or getting to know her for the first time. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We would like to thank all the contributing members because you are making this podcast possible. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgs.com. USA.org. Thank you all for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.